Hello, and you are listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast powered by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out the BatmanUniverse.net for many other great Batman podcasts. I'm Josh. This week we are covering the Gotham episode Scarecrow, and joining me this week is... Men call me Donovan. And men and women call me Stella. <laughs> what, do, what do women call you, Don? Uh, ask them. They call you often. <laughs> hey! <laughs> That's how cool we are. <laughs> so, we, we've had a crazy week in Gotham this week. You know, lots of interesting stuff have happened. Um, if you say so. Well, like, I, I wrote down, like, the different plots and, like... Some of the plots only consist of like two or three scenes. They sure did happen. I tell you what, there sure were differences between this episode and last episode. Yes, there were. Well, we we get a continuation of the Scarecrow plot, which is, you know, Gerald Crane um, is still terrorizing people, stealing their their fear glands and injecting them into himself and his son. And it's up to Bullock and Gordon to stop him. But over at GCPD, Bullock is distracted by the arrival of the new medical examiner, his girlfriend, Lee Tompkins, and all the awkwardness that that brings. Meanwhile, Fish is in her weird pirate jail. I have no clue what's going on there. And uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) she decides, you know, she she realizes that taking down, like, the big man in the jail is a lot quicker than taking down, you know, Falcone and Gotham. But then more jail mysteries, as, you know, as crazy eyes from Orange is the New Black came in. But now she's just crazy because somebody took her eyes. What's this all about? What's Meanwhile, uh, oh yeah, that did happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. but it was weird how he related it. Sometimes I wonder if the audience knows what your like line of thought is, Josh. I don't think people like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the, the steel trap. Yeah. Oz- I mean, Dustin said we're getting downloads, so. Uh- well, Cobblepot is given Fish Mooney's restaurant, which comes as a complete surprise to him, particularly since he's been announcing that it's his restaurant for the last two episodes. Um, but in any case, he opens it up, you know, renames it Oswald's and tries to invite Jim Gordon. But Jim Gordon will come to his party. But it's OK. He meets a new friend, the Riddler, but they don't immediately hit it off. Meanwhile, um, Falcone decides to approach Maroney so that he won't kill Penguin. And he gives him a gift, a judge, just what he always wanted. <laughs> tied up in hogtied. Like the, uh, tied up in hogtied behind like a glass-like zoo cage or something. Fifty like. Shades of, Fifty shades of Grey. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Falcone. <laughs> I can see it now. Falcone Shades of Grey. Uh, Bruce, you know, goes camping, you know, and he, and he says that this is something he has to do by himself. But then, but then sees his dad's rocks. Um and like legitimately like rocks that say like TW for Thomas Wayne. Not, not, not as diamonds or anything. Yeah, like remembers that his dad is dead and like gets mad and then does a dance lot down the hill. Um, you know, climbs back up, you know, and says surprised to see Alfred on top. How long have you been here? Oh, probably the last few hours or something. Uh, but they watched the sunrise together. He said the last hour. Don't make it seem like he watched Bruce Wayne fall Sprint down. Sprint his that. ankle. Well, he yeah. he was there for an hour as like, you know, 
his watching him struggle. Yeah, yeah but he didn't see like everything. Smoking happened. a pipe and eating some. No, he just saw an hour of it. Well, we'll we'll get into that. So that's um that's the goings ons of this week's Gotham. You know, did you guys enjoy you know your visit to Gotham this week? I sure didn't. <laughs> Uh, when this episode ended, I, I thought to myself, "What was the point?" And I thought that my, my time was wasted. Every every scene was was irritating, and I think this is an, another example of the show cl- obviously not knowing what they're going, to, not where they're going. They're just they're just stalling for time, and then the things that happened really didn't show any progression or do much of anything. I mean, it, I I think that the show thinks it is, but it it isn't. I can explain why later on. As throughout the episode, but like, I was very annoyed with this episode, and I, I, it's it's, a, it's an example of I think like the general usual writing for this for the series. I think that like uh, it really needs to like not do these kinds of episodes anymore, and have just have better writers or better written episodes in order to be as good as it should be. Stella, did you enjoy your visit to Gotham this week? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I enjoyed the fact when I left the visit. Oh, um, hey. so uh, <laughs> it's a love fest tonight. Yeah. So last episode, I didn't really enjoy it. And, and Don and I were on different sides of that. And this was even weaker than the previous episode. The only positive thing I can say is that uh, I, I feel like we had the thread of fear uh, as the main theme sort of tying the stories throughout uh, which I, I think certainly we can talk about. But, I mean, the main thing, of course, were the cranes trying to overcome fear. Uh, Bruce, uh, really, that, that wasn't the whole point of the journey. The, it was to do something special that he always did with his father. But then once the accident happened, uh, I, I think to a certain extent he was trying to fight panic and, and figure out what he had to do. You have Fish, who really isn't fearful at all, but this guy, Mo, is that his name? Uh, rules by you know by fear, and so that whole thing. And then there was one other plot point. Um, oh, <laughs> the good Gordon has fear of his girlfriend being in his business. Oh gosh, yeah, exactly. And then Penguin, of course, uh, fearful. I think at at every turn really you know of Mulroney and, and that coming to a head there so that's the only positive I can say that there was a theme that ran throughout but the stories were so disjointed and honestly when I'm watching something and I have like no idea what's going on which was the fish thing which when I say no idea obviously I could tell uh, very blatantly what is going on but where was she? Out of outside of that, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Where like, she, what's the point of this? That whole thing. I mean, and so I say I, pirates, I but like we don't actually know if they're pirates. Like, like yeah. we we have so, no idea, honestly. How she, like, they they literally don't explain how she got there. After that, I thought there was going to be a brouhaha in the ship, but we skipped all that. <laughs> we were promised a big action sequence for Fish Mooney, and like she stabbed a guy. Well, seducing. No, what happened was that, like, you know, she was talk- told about this guy that we've never seen before and don't care about. She talks to this guy that, you know, is his first appearance, but we still don't care about. And then she kills this guy who, again, we don't care about and says, listen up, strangers who know that the viewers don't care about. I'm in charge now. Cut to a woman saying, they took my eyes. Who? They don't explain. In the end, <laughs> what the hell? What was that? Like, 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 waste of time. Can you explain that? <laughs> um... I want to get into that, uh, but I'll I'll give my general thoughts real quickly, which was I wasn't here last week, and I really enjoyed last week's episode a lot. I felt that this episode was, you know, not bad, but not, like, extremely good either. Like, I didn't enjoy this as much as I did last week, 
Um, but and Stella trolled me like during the episode. Like I, I wasn't watching it; and I was running errands, mm-hmm. and she sent me a text. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Barbara Keen is having sex with her parents' maid, and they walk in." <laughs> <laughs> and like, <laughs> but the funny thing is, that is a completely believable thing that would happen. Yes, to which is why I said it. And you like, deserve it because of all the things. Bob, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, I could completely buy that that would happen. But yeah, I mean, I was. I don't want to say indifferent to this episode. I just like I liked it, but I only liked it a little. Like whereas, like last week, I was like, I was really enjoying. You know, what did you like about this was, episode? I just was like entertained by some of this. Like I, I didn't hate it, but um. Let's talk about fish since, like, you know, Don made that big point there. Yeah, that was pointless and nothing happened. I mean, I'm glad that she didn't spend like 12 episodes saying, you know, Mo is a weak young man before, you know, like killing him. Like, she actually, like, did something, and it's it's good to see her, like, she take control. But uh, it, it, was, it was predictable what was going to happen. Like, the moment, like, it says, I have the only switchblade, that's why I'm in charge. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Gee, I wonder if Fish is going to find a way to steal the fish blade. A fish blade? Wow. <laughs> Switchblade. <Okay. laughs> it's, it's another that's in the shape of a mackerel. <laughs> it's a fish moony blade. Yeah, that was... Uh, that plot... Uh, it was bad. I'm sorry. Like, like, like We know that Fish is, is a t- tough lady from the first episode. Episode. I think this, this whole scene with her was trying to establish that to say, oh, she really is tough. Even the, in a situation we've not seen her in, she can, you know, get on top. But we don't need to know that. And it had nothing to do with anything else going on. And ultimately, it was a waste of time. Didn't I don't know if it yeah. was a waste of time, but I think it could have been pulled off better. I'm pretty positive it was a waste of time. <laughs> I'm pretty damn sure. Because- Stella, you decide. Yeah, go ahead. I decide. Uh, I think they needed to orient the audience better. With what was going on, so my entire the entire time I was watching it, I kept thinking, "Gee, this is like Arrow season two, where he's trapped. You know, he's trapped on the boat. But in the same episode that you first see him trapped on the boat, you are also getting information as to what these other people are doing trapped on the boat, who's in charge of it all, all this. So you're given information. It's not a dump of information, but." Uh, pertinent stuff and the problem is that it's a big mystery as to you know what's going on and we can connect it to pirates overtaking this cruise liner well i guess it wasn't a cruise liner but this yacht or whatever ship she was on before commodore schmidlad yep yes but but uh, besides that i mean there's really there, there's no information why would they take somebody's eyes unless you know they're the fates and they only have that one eyeball so they need a couple more right or um, valuable. the what I did, you know, the positive aspects of it, if, if you know, I'm going to play the stellar role of trying to find the, the positive things of it, is that we do, I mean, when we first met Fish, she was already pretty high up uh, on the, the ladder of uh, the hierarchy of, of the mob system, I guess we could say. And here, she is flat at the bottom. So even though we do know that she's a tough lady, I think we at least get to see her wiles used in a different manner. When I was watching, I was very much thinking, wow, she's actually similar to Penguin, and perhaps Penguin learned a lot from her. Because this is the kind of stuff that Penguin would do, trying to ingratiate herself with others, things like that. I also like that that guy, who's pretty innocuous, next to her, um, watches onto her pretty quickly and is very much her, her right-hand man. <laughs> and reminded me of... 
Yeah, I was going to say it reminded me of Butch, certainly. Um, but really, it is a dead end. I mean, she gets to the top of this ladder, but obviously that end scene, she's got no power concerned with, with those other people. So perhaps that's the next thing that she tackles. So those are the positive aspects that I can get out of it. But I would much rather, again, I think I said this the last episode, see her outside of Gotham, not in this situation, but like plotting her revenge or, you know, trying to figure out what she needs to do rather than in a completely different situation that has nothing to do, I would say, with Gotham whatsoever, unless they decide to tie it. But just the entire time I thought, you know, I, I just don't know where they're going with this, why she's on this boat why i'm watching arrow season two again this reminded me of like what's been going on in scandal since they came back this season because it like was literally the same thing carrie washington's character was like kidnapped for like reasons that we didn't know about and was in a mysterious prison and just like fish's new butch jr who looks like he's joel McHale's cousin or something like some mysterious guy in the prison was latching on to her and he turned out to be a traitor so maybe you know, fish will go through. And they're both, you know, African-American women who hold positions of power. Ooh. But Kerry Washington has her and fish wears a wig. <laughs> oh, yeah, you said, you told me that, like, we finally know the secrets of her wig. I know, that's I did thing. not say that. I Stella said text me. Fish, She's like, <laughs> fish fish's wig. her wig. Yeah, she wakes up and shifts it a little bit. And then in the next one, it looks like she's wearing, she's not wearing her wig, maybe, but she's wearing a, um... A, a nice little, uh, it's not a do-rag, but you know what I'm oh, Okay, prediction. Fish's wig falls off in an action sequence, and under the wig is a bunch of, like, metal with blinking lights and control panels. Fish <laughs> Mooney was an android the whole time. Then why are we having bad plots about an android? It follow <laughs> into the main plot of... Uh, I just, I don't, I don't... I don't see the point of this, you know. We could have honestly had her leave and not, you know, and maybe call Maroney and then not be in this episode. And then when she comes back, we got to figure out what she's up to. As opposed to, like, this, this show thinks it is this following a main character. And I guess it is because it's their own show. But I just, and I say this all the time, I, I'm never interested in what she's doing. D- despite the entertainment factor with uh, the actress. I, I don't, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I truly, I really, really don't care. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm too boring to watch the show. Well, you're asking what the point of it is. Like we are still in the middle of it. I would say that the execution's bad, but like for all we know, this could wind up tying into like everything somehow. It's a very optimistic guess you have. <laughs> it's very optimistic. Uh, so some other stuff that happened this episode. We had some between uh, Lee Tompkins and Gordon and. One of my big pet peeves about the show is, like, the inconsistency in, like, the writers. And, like, it, it was last week, too, where um, two episodes ago, Bullock's like, hey, you and Tompkins, am I right? And Gordon's like, no, no, no. And then they have the exact same conversation last week. And then this week, last week, uh, this week she's like, I'm the new medical examiner. And he's like, what? And then she's like, hey, you did suggest it last episode. But aside from that, like, his... They acted like it was new information when last week it was portrayed that it was not. Mm-hmm. So that kind of I, – I didn't like the way that they were written this episode or last episode, truth be told. Like I I thought that they had good chemistry when they were working on the Arkham stuff together and the whole executioner thing. But every time we've seen her since, it's, it's just weird. I, I am noticing though that like for a guy who was engaged a few months ago, you know – 
he is moving like very fast in this relationship. Like, he, so he is, we've had three he, three dates, and why aren't we having sex right now? Well, like they're in the throes of their romance. Like he is not taking a lot of time to grieve over Barbara. But like, I feel I like didn't they break up in like either October or November? Like in the Black Mask episode. So it has been months if we're moving in real time. But I I am surprised that he's like. He's not looking back, and a prediction that I made is that Barbara, because we haven't seen her in a while, it's because she's going to show back up with a baby bump when, like, he's like about to move to the next level with Leslie. Lee, I don't think that would make sense given the amount of time she was with uh, Renee too. How much time? Yeah, but, but but that but that's not. But she could still be pregnant during that time. I think she would have known by then. By What's what's the what's the least amount of uh, time before women will figure out that they're pregnant? Do you have any? Well, didn't they have sex at the end of Penguin's Umbrella? No children. Like well, after like a- once you real what? Why do I have to talk about this on podcast? <laughs> basically, once you realize you've you've missed one of your uh, monthly cycles, is when you're going to know. So, Ed, we I mean, well, she is, she is a little distracted depends. though. Like, okay, so a month after Penguin's Umbrella, like, she's with Renee, and then Renee kicks her out. Like, maybe she knows, and the audience doesn't know. I don't think so. I think that's a stretch. Um, Stretch marks. I suppose you're right, though. There's been enough enough time passed where if the first episode she would have been put in, she would have known by now. Unless the writers don't know how that works. And I think it's I, I think the dropping off of the keys in the previous episode really are, you know, symbolic that he's ready to move on and I think that, you know, obviously something's gonna happen. But <laughs> I, I think that it's fine that he's moved on with Leslie. I agree with you, Josh, that it's it's not been flowing as well. I think it's just too forced and moving too quickly. I like the scenes when they're actually working together and discussing the case. But then when they go off of that and, and they're talking about the it just seems like inorganic it, it it doesn't seem like it's authentic it doesn't flow real, real well well yeah last week it was you love case files and not me and this week it's like <laughs> it sure is awkward you know working with my girlfriend like they were working together in arkham well they, 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 were, dating, well, they, they were dating then yeah that 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 that, that is true i, th- I think they're like the, the, the story's kind of approaching a bit silly and it's like, you know, listen, you know, it, it's not professional kiss, you know. Okay. <laughs> but I mean it, Leslie. Okay. And the, the music plays, it's like, uh, I, 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 it's funny. I, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? I guess they're making her a lighter lighter humor co- to compare to um, his rougher and stricter personality. That'll last. I like it when they're working together on something. And like, and the drama isn't too forced. It's funny because like you, you know, sometimes we have like three major plots, but this feels like this episode we had like five or six micro plots, and like mean nothing. Yeah, like this whole thing was like a micro plot. Like it didn't really have a beginning, middle, and end. Just like I appreciate what they were going for, but I think that like I don't know, it it wasn't as. It wasn't as engaging as I think they would be. Like you know, just the whole humor of it wasn't that funny, and it was sort of like, well, this is a, kind of a waste of space, in my opinion, at least. Do you do you think that like for a man that was legitimately like planning on getting married, like a mere like few months ago, he's mm-hmm. he's no. moving on fast, or is Lee rebound? Uh, well, I mean, in fair, I mean, she might be, but in fairness, she's such a she's such a better catch. 
than Barbara Keen is. I mean, he might be rebounding. He might be like, you know, taking his frustration on someone else. But it's hard to say that when they have chemistry and she is likable and that she is, she's pretty much an all-around better character. Like, it's, it's hard to kind of like go back on that excuse when, you know, it's, it's not like they don't make a good couple. I would, yeah, I mean, uh, she's definitely better than Barbara, but better than Barbara or not, like, this is someone who was, like, planning on getting married, and now, usually there's a grieving period when, like, an engagement ends, and... Well, maybe he realized that he wasn't as in love with her as he thought, so, so it's coming to him a lot easier to get over her. It, it would be They're interesting if he would... Ref- Barbara. Say what, still? They're coming for you, Barbara. <laughs> the grieving... Well, if he's not as in love as he thought, like we need to see like him deal with that. Like I, I don't think he's he's really dealt with the breakup in Barbara. There was the episode where like he leaves her a voicemail, and like you know, and then you like see that she's with Renee Montoya. But I mean, I, I don't know how you would because it, he's not Spider Man. He's not going to have inner monologue, and I don't think he's going to like you know share his feelings with Bullock. Well, I think that like no, he's not going to do that. I think that like honestly, uh, if you're engaged with somebody. If you're if anybody's smart and they, they decide to be somebody's fiance, that means there's a lot of emotion and time and heart put into that relationship. And when that ends, that's realistically going to take a while to get over. And it's been okay. Granted, it's been a few, several episodes and then several weeks, you know, in real life and, and in like you know the uh, the show's timeline. But I, I would imagine like yeah, for that kind of relationship, that would take like the better part of half a year to get over, it, at least in my, my experience and and uh, opinion. But you know, everybody's different. So I guess the show, the show writers are relying on you know the differences of people to kind of escape by this lack of uh, consideration to, for his uh, emotional health. And we've not seen Wesley in her house once, so she's she moves about more than Barbara does. I know it's great, and like he's like, oh, you have an apartment. Like he he didn't care about the bedroom. He wanted he he wants to live there. He still that's what he does. He just lives at his girlfriend's houses. Like, he's a couch surfer. What does what does that say about a man when when uh you know you broke up with somebody but you but you stay at their place? I gave my key to uh, my ex girlfriend like less than a week after we broke up. <laughs> well, as most people would do. I mean, like, I mean, how long was he there before he gave back the keys? Do we? Do, I mean, we don't have any idea. We have- I, I don't remember him staying, but but he would like show up there. Like he showed up there with Selena a few times, and that like moving on to like other plots. Bruce Wayne, you know, his camping trip where he doesn't fall into the Bat Cave. I was waiting for that to happen. I I really don't. I was honestly thinking that that's the only reason that this plot's happening. And when that didn't happen, I, I, again, I thought, what was the point? We know he misses his dad. We know he's sad. We know he's frustrated. So I don't know. What do you think, Stella? Well, it's nice to see uh, Bruce Skywalker take a trip to uh, Dagobah. <laughs> yes. Because, frankly, I want I saw the stacked rocks, and I wanted him to do a one-armed handstand and start moving them. Um, sadly, that did not happen. I, uh, I don't – I wonder what the significance of the rocks are. I mean, is it just each time they go up, they paint a rock and put it there to signify how many times they've gone up there together? And it's what a nature of move the rocks, by the way? And like the- One would think, yeah. So I, I think part of it is just his continuing journey of, of getting over what, what has happened because I feel like we haven't seen him go through all of the grieving processes or steps. Uh, and then I think that, well, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to Alfred. But uh, then I think it's also about uh, 
we always see something happen, him get pushed down, and, and how does he get back up, basically. So he cries in the previous one, then he gets a broom, all sorts of things. So this one, he falls down, and I think it's more than a sprain. I thought, like, there was going to be a bone jutting out because... Ooh, ew, what? But, <laughs> well, because did you see it? It looked bad. I mean, it wasn't, but I just thought it was going to be worse than that. But, I mean, hey, look, he does some survival uh, tactics by uh, making a splint and then walking and... All this sort of stuff. So I, I think it's, you know... He waited all night before well. he did it. Yeah, that was a little weird. But, you know, grieving and then also, I think, little by little learning these uh, these little tactics and, and surviving. Still, I say that Alfred is probably the most irresponsible parent that we've uh, seen on TV. Well, maybe not on TV, but he's pretty irresponsible. I get to give a I think, You know, going <laughs> off and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Letting him go off and then deciding to sit by the fire and wait for him. I did rewind it because I thought he said an hour and then he said something about I didn't see you climb up or whatever or I didn't I didn't I wasn't the one who made you climb up. I was trying to figure out what he meant by that. But I I assume he did not see him take a tumble because we do see that scene where he's looking out the window and wondering about the time. Right. But but yeah, but I mean, he's just as hands off as ever and trying to make him go his own way. So in this continuity, I feel like Alfred's the reason why Batman exists because he's basically taking off all sorts of training wheels and is forcing Bruce to become Batman on his own. Well, in this in this instance, I mean, Alfred's—I don't know what Alfred thinks he's doing. Uh, I mean, he's—he's—it's he's, uh, weird because Bruce seems like he's—he's he's so unsure about. Most most everything that he's kind of just fumbling around, which is fine. But um, I think Alfred's just kind of ch- trying to help him be strong because that's only, that's because he thinks Bruce is strong. And that's the only way he can kind of get through it. Um, I mean, what would you pre- pre- prefer him to do, Stella? Because I know that you don't like how he uh, treats him in this show. What I have preferred him to do. Do you, do you do you think you know? You, would you like to see an alternative? Um, I think it would have been better to. Uh actually instead of sitting around the fire i mean like a natural nurturing father would have gone to look for him after that not sit by the fire i guess after he found him waiting for an hour which i wonder how he found him he would have had to have seen him then be like okay well he was by the rocks go over and make the fire well yeah but if he was there an hour that means he had to have found him yeah oh yeah yeah he found him an hour it's like well he's got a sprained ankle he's struggling i'm gonna go over here here's what would have been a better moment uh-huh. That would have been in character for this version of Bruce Wayne too, for him to react this way. Alfred finds him and like starts to go and help him, and Bruce says, "No, I need to do this by myself." And like Alfred, like lets him make the rest of like the class. I mean, Alfred watches, yeah, yeah. you know, supervises, but yeah. lets him because this version of Bruce is very like driven. And that would be the point of the episode. As opposed to the other versions of Bruce. Yeah, as as opposed to the Adam West Bruce. But, like, (laughs) (laughs) um, but in that, like, you know, he wants to do everything, like, on his own. Like, Alfred's always offering to help him and stuff, and he's always Mm -hmm. like, no. And, like, that would be, and it's him realizing that, like, he needs to pick himself up, you know, because, like, you know, his dad is not there. Yeah, that's been the same lesson over and over again, though. I mean,. Alfred walks in and Bruce is crying. He's like, "Well, you're going to cry or you're going to do something about it." Oh, That's, look it's at the, the little baby! Did Tommy Elliot call your parents dead? Exactly. It's just variation on a theme. I mean, the positive thing from this little uh, sidebar story is the end. I think when uh, they do, they end up staying and and watch the the sunrise as as he did with his father. I think that's the positive aspect. That's the nurturing Alfred that I would expect. That was that was a nice moment. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me of what was the other moment with Bruce and Alfred? Like, oh yeah, um, like uh, weeks ago when like Alfred sits down, like does the paperwork with him, and they don't say anything, and like Bruce just smiles, like mo- moments like that. I really was was hoping that that he would like fall down the hole and find the bats. I mean, it wouldn't mean like, you know, I must be a bat yet, but it would be going somewhere because I feel that like maybe in season one, they should take baby steps, but it's interesting because there's a lot of like push and pull with the show. You know, we, we, (laughs) Smallville existed, but like, you know, it's, it's going at a very strange pace if you compare it to Smallville in the beginnings of these characters. And, like, I feel that with Bruce Wayne, like, there are some things where, like, it's going along fairly well. And then there are other things where it's kind of inching along. And, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm, I'm not sure what to see. Maybe I'm not even sure how I feel about it. But I'm thinking that I would have rather seen something else than what we had just him hurt himself and crawl up a, a hill. But maybe that's the point. You know, he learns how to, you know... Overcome odds, all the, excuse me. Overcome odds on himself, by himself. If you want to play strict continuity cop, he should have already fallen into the bats before his parents died. Well, I know that. I know that. I, I do know that. But you know, this show hasn't acknowledged that yet. And then we had um, the return of Falcone, who we haven't seen since. Like he said, he was back and more like awake than ever, and choked his girlfriend. You know, and here he's um, he goes for a walk with Maroni and then gives him a judge. That was that that was that was very strange. It's time. Really? I, Waste of time? I, uh, I appreciate it. Moroni is like, you know, straightforwardness. Like, you know, okay, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, you're not we're being friendly, but you know I'm going to kill that Oswald Cobblepot dude, right? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you like the view or would you like this, that? You know, we can have lunch and, you know, I'm going to leisurely, you know, info dump this, this feud you have with this judge. And I'm like, look, I found him with, with his partner over here. And, you know, we're, you know, hog tying him and then riding him around like, you know, a cowboy with a horse and ha 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 I sure will beat him up dun 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 it's like I think it was it was shown to show how evil Falcone is but I had no I, I had no reaction to that it's, it was like you know more set up for like you know a limp scene with, with him and Penguin what did what, you think Josh like, like did you think that it was an effective scene in, in doing anything it was disturbing and I like it when Gotham's disturbing just like how, 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 how so you're supposed to be disturbed by Gotham, like, and when you're disturbed by a show, you're paying attention and you're like engaged. Well, how so? How how was it disturbing? I'm asking. Th- that he had a judge in like, like, like as like a weird like Fifty Shades of Falcone like cage at his house and was giving him as a gift to Maroni. Like <laughs> that's not normal. I thought that, I thought that was kind of like goofy. To be honest, like this is a, it, uh, this is yeah. this is his style. Falcone does this. He doesn't just like I don't know, tie the guy up and says, "Hey, kill him however you want." He just says, "You know, I'm going to hire Celeste, and she's going to like you know whip him with a whip <laughs> because I'm that's how I roll." It's like it, what? It, it was weird, but it was like a disturbing and memorable. Um, they did have to give a reason why, like you know, Maroni can't just kill Penguin, and I and, but and there and there could have been other ways that they could have done that, or. You know, it would have been interesting to have Penguin always be looking over his shoulder, too. <sighs> but uh, I, I, we, we were promised, though, like at the end of um, – I forget the name of the episode where he kills Liza, like a new Falcone, like more dangerous than ever. And I don't feel like we got that this episode. That, that would be my only, like, disappointment. I think it shows his reach. I, I would agree with uh, Josh that – that was a disturbing scene. I mean, to think that the guy, 
And I couldn't tell if the um, because the boy he had been sleeping with was in that room, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looked like he was because a dad. That's what it, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because and and then just all of that, uh, I I didn't really see it as as kooky or kinky. I certainly I I was uh, pretty disturbed by it. I think it was a little out of place. Uh, like it seemed like we're we're gonna really really push the boundary here, and this is what we're going to do. We're taking this strict judge uh, who's moral, and we're going to show that actually he's really immoral. And uh, but, but I do think it shows Falcone's reach that he's able to do this. I liked the scene between him and Moroni walking. Uh, I, I feel like this has happened, you know, a couple times in movies, just where these rivals are, you know, on another side, friends. my good friend, and they just yeah. I mean, they have like a strange relationship, and I, I did like, you know, the the openness about it, and then, but you kind of wonder like, what what does uh, Carmine have to gain from having Penguin? I think that was the the question that was always there. Like, why is he willing to go so far for him? And I'm glad that that was answered. The reason why that you know he likes him and everything, but uh, yeah, I mean, I. Yes, so I think that was the positive for me, and uh, I guess he uh, stay he or Penguin gets a stay of execution for right now. And it leads to another sorry. It leads to another scene of just like more almost you know required uh, Penguin awkwardness, where like uh, Maroney shows up. It's like Don Maroney. I Penguin, <laughs> can't you see him laughing? Everything's fine, even though it clearly isn't. Oh, what, what? <laughs> can, I, can I get you a drink? <laughs> as soon as Falcone goes, you go. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this and wine he, is expensive. Let yeah. me spill it on the floor. And it was imagery as if um, he were he was urinating. Did you get that? Oh, nice, nice catch. <laughs> Yeah, well, because you saw when it was overflowing, like it was the yellow, it was the yellow, and it was screen, spilling then, on the floor by his shoes. Like, yeah, that's oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that, no, that's, yeah. Okay, I, I thought you were just going which crazy. I mean makes sense be, as if I were going crazy. But do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's like uh, maybe I'm not making myself clear. These all these scenes with like Maroni, like you know, it's like they're taking steps towards a storyline, but there's no like emotion in there. There's just these these threads saying like you know, it's like it's like they're playing checkers. Where like you know steps are being taken, but you know because the checkers are not chess, nothing interesting is happening. So Penguin's still alive, and so Maroni knows he's still alive. Okay, that sets up that, that sets up information that the characters know. But does that alone entertain us? Do you, do you, do you know what I mean? Or maybe maybe that just gets me and not anybody else. I'm just, I'm just trying to express what I'm feeling here. I mean, if it was a big, if it was if it was a bigger part of the episode, I might have been more upset by it. But like I said before, these are all like micro plot lines. Mm-hmm. And there's so many of them going on all the time that they can only inch forward a little bit at a time. And also now the problem is that their season was expanded. So perhaps if they kept with Again? 16 episodes. Oh no! I'm just saying after the God. So perhaps after they 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 should have kept with the 16 and had like stronger. Uh, plot lines. Well, maybe that's why they added, like, because I'm noticing, like, since they've come back from break, each villain has had, like, a two-arc episode instead of one. Like, the Electrocutioner was two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cranes are two episodes. And if, like, the solicitations are correct, it looks like the Red Hood is going to be two episodes. 
So, which <laughs> we'll we'll talk about later too. The penguin plotline, which you know Stella kind of touched on, he has his lounge now, you know, but it's just called. He couldn't call it the Iceberg Lounge. I was, I, I, we were so close two weeks ago to hearing that, and then now it's Oswald's. But that frustrated me because like he shows his mom the club two weeks ago. And my boy has a palace. I will pay you not to do that again. <laughs> and then, and then last week he says to Maroney, "Like I've taken over Fish Mooney's nightclub." And then here, like he finds out for the first time ever that it's his, and he's like surprised, like that. That that frustrated me. Well, don't you think he was under the presumption that he was he, it was a placeholder that he was holding it for Carmine? Maybe. Ah. Uh, that could be the no prize explanation, and and maybe these the last three episodes were all written by the same person, and I just have this like problem in my head that is of my own creation, and it doesn't actually exist. But I feel like everyone's writing their episodes at the same time from thin outlines, and like they're not comparing the finished scripts, and like maybe they are, and like they add in one line of dialogue, like you know Lee saying, "Come on, this medical examiner thing was your idea last episode." But otherwise, it's and it's disconnected. Aside from like Penguin realizing that he doesn't have like a death mark on him, um, yeah. his plot line was really like almost nothing this week. He, you oh, know, really? Hmm. Hmm. Do you feel that he way? He does get in a grunge band with one person. Oh, what about Jim and him? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, he has that moment where like he invites Jim to his party, and like it's sad because he's like, "This is the one invitation I want to deliver myself." Like, he he loves Jim Gordon, and it's weird because everyone else is like really dispose does. is like disposable to him. Like, he doesn't really care about Maroney. He doesn't. I don't even think he cares about Falcone. Like, everyone is a means to an end to him. But aside from his mother, I feel like Jim Gordon is like the only one that he really cares about, and that's very telling. Mm-hmm. And now Jim has rejected him because of the yeah. events of uh, the Flash episode. I think that like um, it's, 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 it, they're trying to play the whole – they're building up to like this sense of betrayal and that like Penguin must be all alone. Like, you know, oh, I can't trust Jim even though I did shady means and he, he didn't appreciate it. I don't know why a man in my intelligence would think he would appreciate it, but never mind. You know, I can't trust Maroney and eventually Falcone will betray me. I, they're setting up for that, I suppose. But I don't know. I feel, I feel that like it's sort of like a – it's a clear. It's clear what they're doing all the time. And I guess. I guess it gets. It kind of wears out. It's welcome a bit. Yeah. Well, I think. I think it was sad. I did like that uh, as well because I knew right away that he wanted to hand deliver it to Jim, and uh, and you see sort of the desperation. Instead of saying uh, that there's a war coming and the city needs me, he's going to say, you know, you're going to need me one day. And so I'm. I'm waiting now because I feel like that's foreshadowing that there's going to be something bigger. And and I feel like there's going to be an opportunity now, perhaps every episode where where Jim's got to choose between uh, the desperation of the case and, and going to see Penguin or not, because he did that this episode where they could have had Penguin uh, put feelers out and, and figure out where uh, the cranes the, were. Uh, yes, the cranes were, but he decided not to. But I think something bigger is on the horizon, and there will be a big game changer. And as for the Riddler, I like that Riddler was almost viewing Penguin as a specimen, uh, and, and just watching him, and then following, and then coming closer. And uh, but Penguin, I mean Penguin, able to intimidate. So there being one person that he can intimidate, because normally. Well, except for the guy in the crane, I suppose. Uh, you know, normally he's <laughs> he's very much at the bottom of this totem pole, and so to have that was somebody, interesting to me. 
Yeah. So I think that the crane thing or this? It's like the – no, the um, him and Edward because penguin, like usually yeah. – the, the way that he talks to and reacts to Edward is the way that like everyone reacts to Penguin. Like mm-hmm. that whole like rolling yeah. your eyes thing. Like it's like he's even like lower down the, the, the like social totem pole. Yeah, I actually really like that scene because this is sort of something that's, that's, that's kind of a uh, – it is a thread throughout – a lot of Batman stories, not not every single one, but like a lot of them, that the villains generally don't like each other. And I like the fact that like they had a kind of a bad meat cute, where like uh, he's like throwing out riddles, and he's like, "Is that a riddle? I don't like riddles. <laughs> don't don't ever leave you again." Again, he kind of like you know hobbles away, and then Pink, uh, Riddler looks, uh, Edward looks on lovingly, and like I, I I find that funny because obviously they're going like you know run into each other like you know a, a handful of times, and their you know their fate. But um, I thought it was it was it wasn't it's foreshadowing like, for the Batman sixty six movie where they form the United Underworld. Exactly, ah, you you, you petulant bird! Like it, it, it wasn't sick of Macate. Scratch out their eyes. It, I, I didn't think uh, it wasn't labored. I thought where like some, some it might have been, but I thought it was uh, well written pretty well. And going to like what Stella said about like Jim walking the line between like going to Oswald for help, that was one of my favorite moments of the episode was when like Harvey's like, well, if we don't do something, someone's going to die. And like they didn't overstate it, but you could see like the frustration like in Jim, like he really doesn't want to go to Penguin for help. But like, you know, he's like he's Harvey's words like do mean something to him. Like he's trying really, really hard not to go down that route again. And it's really tempting. You wonder why he uh if if Penguin will ever think to even like approach him again because he's made his, you know has made a statement. Of course there. he will. The writers don't. The writers don't talk about this stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It'll happen in the next episode. Like <laughs> uh, uh, Jim will go to like Oswald's club and be like, "You you own this club now? Why didn't you invite me here to the grand opening?" <laughs> <laughs> and then Bullock will be like, "So do you and the new medical examiner have a thing?" <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he's he's like, Leslie, what are you doing here? I work here, don't you know? Why don't you tell me? I don't think I can trust you in this relationship. And then like there'll be a moment where like Edward will try and be nice to Miss Kringle, and she'll like rebuff him, and then like someone will make fun of him. Well, and, we didn't like, see her this way. Kringle. That's interesting. I guess maybe maybe not. I, I was surprised we saw her as often as we did. Frankly, she was like appearing like more than like Bruce Wayne for a little while. So I, I didn't mind a Miss Kringle break because you know we need to let some of these plot lines and characters breathe. Like the fish plot, obviously. I liked the Scarecrow stuff last week. That was really, really like you know unnerving, and I felt bad for like these people who had to like experience like their worst fears, and that's how they were going to die. Like that was like. Really terrifying. And I said before that, like, the way that these villains, like, have their emos on the show, like, Balloon Man and stuff, you know, um, (laughs) everyone except for the Kaleidoscope guy, like, you know, like, it's been enjoyable. This week, I wasn't really into what the cranes were doing, because they mostly, like, stayed at a cabin, like, injecting themselves with, like, you know, fear. Well, I mean, um, it was one of those things where it's like, he, he must do this so he can get over the fear of his wife death and he's forcing his son to do so it's 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 a version it's an interpretation i wasn't crazy about the whole he sees things that he's afraid of all the time because that just makes the question how the heck can he function like you know if you were scared of, if your heart rate is raised where you're constantly in fear you're scared of death he, he can't he can't possibly live a long life after that so like like it you know okay it's a comic comic book television show but well i'm sure that's not going to be jonathan crane's status quo forever I think they implied that it might be. 
Well, that's what the doctor said, but I mean, I- I'm sure that like. I'm sure that something will happen. I liked this episode uh, better than the last one. Uh, the last one was just, it was slow moving for me, and I felt like we could have reduced the number of victims and then added more like of a, a direct line to the purpose of why he was doing this. And I think, it, I, I just think it was stretched out too much. It's like one of those comics that is stretched o- out over, you know, four or five issues and you probably could have cut down the arc and I think I liked the electrocutioner being two but I think this one could have been better served as one I I liked this because of I don't know I, I liked that we were actually seeing uh, the purpose for you know everything that he was doing and you know getting a little backstory. Um, I still wish that and I guess we do kind of get to it I, I do like the the new 52 relationship between the father and the son where it was very dysfunctional and, and just the fact that he experimented on his son and I liked that better because I, I think it gave a reason for why Jonathan was the way he was uh, just obsessed with fear and this one I mean they're very much a duo uh, but at least in the end you do I mean the son sort of turns away and says you know I don't want to do this and then of course the father just injects more than he should have and damages his son so I think we do get closer to that point but yeah you do wonder how is he going to survive uh, under this and then why would he go from being so afraid to uh, desiring to cause fear in others Uh, because I feel like that I just feel like that there's a disconnect between what his original character is and then how we got to that point um, it just doesn't seem like we can get from A to B. And uh, when I was watching the whole Scarecrow thing, like the commercial broke right after we saw Scarecrow when the father said, come back inside, son. I thought to myself, oh, Josh is going to say this that they're hitting us over the head with foreshadowing. No, I will. He's just going to be so upset with it. He's going to say, do much, do much. <laughs> what was that? Still? What does Josh say? Do much, do much. <laughs> it sounds like I have a cold when I say it. <laughs> We all sound like we have colds on podcasts. Basically. We talk too much, that's why. We talk too much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I... I, But I really don't like to say this because it it just makes me... It just reveals that I am of a very, very small mind and can't accept change despite what I like to tell myself, but... I don't, at least for, at least if I'm honestly speaking, honestly, in, in this take on, like, you know, the motivations of Scarecrow, I don't like the whole father to son, you know, transmutating of the whole fear obsession because I find the original more interesting. Like, I don't, I don't, and, you know, the, the, the original, like, like pre nf 52 version was like, you know, he was bullied and stuff and he wanted to kind of turn on people or whatever. But, but, but that's not really, like, the main thing. It's just, like, his interest and fear, I thought, made the character. And now it's like, you know, because his dad was, you know, had his own demons and he kind of just like, kind of just like, like pissed it onto his son and he just happened to be like, you know, glance at that time. It's, it's, it's like a, it's like a bad Hollywood movie version of that's trying to do better than the source material. And I don't, I don't see the point in doing that, which I mean, which, which obviously, you know, rejects the reason for having Scarecrow in the episode in the first place. But I just thought, I truly don't enjoy that. I liked um, the way that, like, the scarecrow that, like, he thought was attacking him in his hospital bed looked like that, that was terrifying. And, um, I agree. Because I, I never thought that's were scary, like, ever. And, like, 
I don't I understand that people are afraid of scarecrows, but like I can't get behind like how they are. Like what's so scary about a scarecrow? Like okay, if a well, scarecrow is a scarecrow, it's not people. I don't think. <laughs> well, and like if a scarecrow attacks you, like what's it going to do? It's made of straw. You can easily overpower it. <laughs> and just look at the, the scarecrows we've seen in, in popular fiction. There's Wizard of Oz and the scarecrow from the Batman comics, and then the Wizard of Oz, and then the Wiz with Michael Jackson. I mean, like, when has it ever been? <laughs> even, even in the animated series, they had to re- redesign him three times before they got to a version that was actually scary. That, that bothered me that, like, he never, like, had a consistent look in the, in the animated series. Well, I mean, I mean it's, it's funny because, like, he, called, he was called the Scarecrow, but in the animated series, he didn't even look like a Scarecrow. He looked like a dead guy. It was, it's like they got, they got away from the motif because they realized that that actually doesn't make a lot of sense for a character who's supposed to be scary. And I don't know even in the comics he ever looks scary. He looks, he looks rather pathetic in the comics all the time. He's, he's like this skinny dude who's easily punchable, um, which, which is, I guess, a, a critique on the on the on the Bill Finger, like you know, cho- choosing for the Scarecrow moniker. But like in the, in this episode to try to justify it, I agree that like it didn't look scary. Or at least it would freak out him. It reminded me of like Slender Slenderman. Like that's like a big like the urban myth among kids today. Uh, did you guys know Slenderman? No camp, Josh. Stella, have no. you heard of Slenderman? She said no. But otherwise, like I thought that the crane thing, like, like Stella said, like this could have been done in one episode because this the cranes did almost nothing this episode. If you would have deleted like maybe the Leslie Tompkins scenes from last episode, then you could have had some extra scenes to deal with, like you know the revelations this episode about him and his wife, and then them getting caught. But. Maybe there's something to what Donovan said about because of like the extended episode order. Can I say that there was a non sequitur? Why in the world would you mention Slenderman and make a reference to it? Don and I say we have no idea what you're talking about, and then you continue on your thought without explaining what Slenderman is. Did you hear that, Josh? Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard. I, I uh, did. I hear Stella calling me a horrible. <laughs> too forceful, Stella. Did yes, I hear? Explain what Slenderman is. It's this like. <laughs> You know, like, when you were a kid and it was like, you know, don't say Bloody Mary in the mirror three times or Bloody Mary will get you. Right. Yeah. It's basically like the 20, like, 15 version of that. Slenderman's this, like, big, tall, skinny, like, creature that, like, you know, will kill you. I see. I see. It's it's the boogeyman. Like, it's just. What do you have to do in order to evoke him? Um, I don't know. And that was the Scarecrow, which Alex Hay. From the BatmanUniverse.net gave three out of five batterings. Next week's episode is called The Blind Fortune Teller. Who wants to read that one off? Gordon takes Dr. Leslie Tompkins' guest star, Marina Baccarin, to the circus. But the day turns quickly when the circus comes under attack. Then Falcone enlists Butch Gilzian to help Penguin with the nightclub <gasps> while, Fitch, while Fish Mooney is otherwise occupied. Also, Bruce Wayne, <laughs> Bruce Wayne schedules a meeting with the Wayne Enterprises board. Uh-huh. And an all-new, quote, The Blind Fortune Teller, in quote, episode of Gotham airing Monday, February 16th, 8 to 9 Eastern Pacific Time on Fox. All right. And um, I noticed in the cast list for this episode, we have both Mr. Zaz and Penguin's mom. As well as Robert Gorey playing John Grayson. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> we should talk about it. Yeah, we are going to meet um, Dick Any Grayson's Zucos parents. 
No, no not me. All right, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'd rather not open with this because uh, I might end up hurting someone. Stella, have you seen the promo yet? Uh, yes, I have. Yes, yes. And I would say, too soon, too soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, it's not like he's going to fall into the vat of chemicals. Cut to next episode. <laughs> I know, but he's already cackling. I mean, he's already cackling. He's got, he looks, you know, he looks like Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I think it's Why too soon he- to throw this out there. It's like, hey, man, we're, we're, we're throwing big stuff at the wall so you can tune in, and then later on they'll have nothing. I will tell you right now, if I wasn't watching this for a podcast, that's what made me drop the show. It's- I, uh, yeah. I, I think there's a lot going on in this episode. Um, so you have that character, um, and then you have the circus business, and then you have Bruce all of a sudden turning into Harry Osborne. Or Damian Wayne from that one. And uh, something like that. Uh, just, oh, my gosh. Um I, I don't know. It just uh, – and then Fish, of course, continuing her reign of command in uh, – in, uh, And for some shows. reason, Butch is teaming up with Penguin now. Which means we've skipped some stuff and I guess we'll figure out – I guess because Zaz is there, we'll figure out Butch. He'll probably be armless or legless and then uh, we'll be walking around. <laughs> a Butch stump <laughs> that Maybe. Penguin will carry around in a little Maybe red wagon. <laughs> Maybe he'll waddle like penguin. Oh my gosh. It's terrible. <laughs> Maybe he's like the. Is it Brain that hangs out with Monsieur Mala? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, good, good, good. Maybe it'll be just like that. I don't know. But so we've skipped some steps. We haven't even seen what Butch is up to. So now we're going to see, I guess, the aftermath of that. Maybe he's hey, been having I, muffins uh, with Mr. Zaz. Oh, man. Muffin? No, because no one can make the muffins now that Wise is gone. That's true. That is true. <laughs> but it'll like be him and Butch like sitting in the kitchen like, dang it, why do you have to kill Liza? We have no muffins. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read out the uh, comicbookmovie.com fan site uh, a heading for this. Tonight's episode of Gotham was pretty huge thanks to the introduction of an early version of the Scarecrow, but next week won't be holding like either. No, it won't. As the blind fortune teller will introduce us to the parents of one on one, as he spells it, on one, Dick Grayson, dot, dot, dot. And the Joker? It seems that way. Now, Stella, I'm talking to you. Look at me. At what point does this show go too far when it comes to these characters and introducing them? In your opinion, I think it already, it has right now. I think if you keep to lower level villains, I think you'll be okay. I think we did okay with uh, Harvey Dent because he was Harvey Dent, but there's kind of the shadow of what he will become. I think this is pushing. There was literally a shadow. <laughs> okay, put you say pushing it. Let me let me let me let me. Wait. We have the Catwoman, the Penguin, yeah. the Riddler. Poison Ivy, uh, Two Face has been introduced, and now the Joker. Okay, but they're but they're not all like and the United Underworld. Like you became. say, Poison Ivy. Like she's not talking. Really the- Ivy but um, but but contextualize this. I know. I obviously I know that they're not running around in costumes. You know, at age she's at age seven or whatever how old she is. That being said, this is a story about Gotham City before all that stuff happens. What's the point of the show if these characters are already there halfway through their psychoses and, 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 into, the, and into the arms of, you know, Arkham Asylum already? I mean, this guy looks just like Jack Nicholson from the Alien movie. Why is he laughing? Wait, what, what? And he's <laughs> well, twice the age of Bruce. Well, but so is the Joker in Batman 89. But he looks even, he? He looks even older than, like, that, that, that in the flashback then. Like, okay, like, the Killing Joke has the origin where he's a failed comedian, but, like, in Batman the Animated Series and Batman 89, 
And like, and even in the Silver Age, you know, like when they had the original Red Hood story, the Joker was like just like um, a mobster who got transformed. So I don't have a problem with like as long as he doesn't become the Joker. If he's just a mobster, like you know, Did like you see a promo, he's laughing and looks evil. What do you mean he's not the Joker? His his skin is like basically white. But he's not. But he's not the Joker yet. He's not. We don't know that. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. We don't know that yet. But as long as he's just going to like, okay, so he laughed, you know, like that doesn't mean he's not like turning people Maybe into he's like Joker's father. Di- oh, that, they, can't oh pull, they can't keep on pulling that. He comes home. Hey, honey. Maybe he's Duella Dent. I'm up this bottle of milk. Oh, no, it's, it's only the, the father from the Dark Knight where like he beats up his wife and like, you know, why so serious? Which would be bad as well. But, um. Actually, maybe not. So, but like, but my, my point is, my point is that I have one, and that point is, <laughs> like, the, the the advertisement says, you know, we've introduced the Riddler. Said we've introduced the Catwoman, the Riddler, the Penguin, but this next villain is no joke. <laughs> this is Gotham, the prequel series, but we're showing you this as well as Bruce Wayne running in, Wayne Enterprises in, in a suit. Just, just do a <laughs> Batman show already. Oh dear! Like, You're gonna have to bleep that out. <laughs> yeah, but I'm getting, okay. point, I'm getting my point across. Like, you know, I I get that. Like, you know, we gotta use we gotta use the Batman supporting cast. Like, you know, like Gordon and the GCPD and the mobsters and stuff like that. I understand that, but in my opinion, they really did jump the shark with with, with Harvey Dent. Like, I, I think that they have an, an enough like characters of the Batman universe that you can just do the show with the people that we have and introduce new characters and like, you know, and make the new characters be where the drama comes from. Cause I've said before, like Maroney has to be around the scar Two face, you know, Falcone like has to, it's unless you're going to deviate from Canon Smallville style and like kill people off or something. Like we know that nobody's going anywhere. So that you need the drama from the new characters. I don't agree. I, I, I just think that like, it's it's just freaking obnoxious to advertise. We have the Joker here, you guys. Then this, you know, do other stuff. I, I I wish that they wouldn't, but I don't really mind it as long as he doesn't fall into the vat of chemicals. I don't mind John. seeing John Grayson and his like girlfriend Mary, as long as you know, as long as they don't die, you know, during a protection racket. Like as long as these characters like don't do the stuff that they're not supposed to do yet. If well, what's going to happen is there's a love triangle between uh, Joe and Mary, and what is also going to happen is uh, that uh, th- this Joker character is not really the Joker, but he's going to go Zuko? on a field trip to Ace Chemical with his little son. I know you're going with this, Josh. What if Zuko is Nightwing's real father? Why would they do that? What? What an <laughs> ironic twist! Wow. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Still and I like just like went down on a roller coaster. Hey, you, guys are, you guys are like Tony Hawk's pro skater skating over there. <laughs> Does he do? And and I'm actually glad that we're seeing Bruce back at Wayne Enterprise because that is a oh, drop yeah, plot yeah. line. Like in Viper, yeah. it was like Wayne Enterprises uh-huh. is up to I'd no like good, to and then like that that one CEO was like following Bruce and like taking pictures, and like we we have not seen hide or hair of that like since. So next week is the blind fortune teller, who I'm guessing is that woman that like oh. went into Fish Moon. He's like pirate, you know, yeah. summer camp. And- well, because she she they yeah, took her eyes. Right. Who's a blind character from the comics that they've not Madame used Webb? yet? Alicia Masters. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we just both named Marvel characters. 
Wasn't his mom blind in that, in, that, in that Pride and Prejudice story? Penguin's mom? Maybe she was a fortune teller oh, becomes yeah. blind. His girlfriend. I, I keep on waiting for her to die. And I was like, oh, maybe Zaz will kill her because he's in this episode. But I was like, well, why yeah. would Zaz kill her? Because Zaz works oh, right. for Falco. Maybe that girl at the end is a fortune teller because they took her eyes. Yeah. See, he becomes a blind <laughs> fortune no, teller. No, kill his mother. So join us next week for the blind mm-hmm. fortune teller. It'll be a real joke. This is Josh. This is Angry Black Man. Or he's the cave that opens up for Aladdin. Um, and (laughs) 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 that that, that, that CGI tiger doesn't he do that? You know, he does that whole thing. Uh, and this is Stella. And you've been listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast. Good night and good luck. Yes. So, um, <laughs> I guess I have some elliptical problems. <laughs> yep. <Whoa. Huh? laughs> so, like, the story that, like, Zoe was telling last week, she's like, and then I went on the elliptical. It's like, this stuff never happens to me at the gym. Like, but I. Enjoy- well, I wanted to make it as detailed and ridiculous as possible. I even made you a Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I love. The, I lo- when you did the whoa, like I was sold because I was like, yeah, I do that whoa a lot. That, that's the, my, like, the, the random southern accent, <laughs> like I never pick up when I actually hear you speak. I thought that was that was a sweet touch. <laughs> he knows who you are, and I was like, well, I was, so then like I decided to tease him. I was like, well, what would be what, what if I did buy Stella a ring? What would be bad about that? He's like, she'll never let me come over anymore. I was like, sure, she will. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm a tyrant. What what kind of stories do you tell them that I'm being portrayed in this life? Like like they, they they've heard your podcasts. <laughs> they know your voice. So I, from that, he thinks I'm not going to let <laughs> those uh, those anniversary episodes. Oh. I let or the one who you did me like he listened to your killing joke special. Okay. I had to explain to him why you were so upset. Didn't did I hear what happened in the story? I, I gave him, like, the vague Cliff Notes version of what happened in the story. I thought we had a synopsis. Donovan, didn't, weren't you in charge of that? He was, but before the podcast, like, Donovan. I... Donovan! <laughs> you failed the audience? I sat there and listened to you, you know, sigh about it. This was over six months ago, and you're, like, yelling at him, like, Donovan! Because <laughs> now it's all coming to light. Superintendent... I, 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 I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> Aurora Borealis. <laughs> we, we, we get a continuation of the Scarecrow plot, which is, you know, the guy Gerard Crane. Was it Gerald? Gerald Crane? Gerard Crane? Gerard. Gerald. Gerald. Gerard. Not our, our Gerard. Gerard Delator. Delator. <laughs> no. I knew it's it. Gerald. <laughs> Gerard Delator and, and uh, Michael Leyland, like, team up <laughs> to fight the GC. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, luckily she doesn't sit around the jail for like 10 episodes going. Did something happen? Yeah. What? Rich. Josh, is he gone? Uh. It's his hot spot. Must be. He just clipped off. Yeah. It doesn't say, it says he's still there, but, I, oh. 
kicked. Yeah. I hope we don't have any problems. I don't, I don't see uh, any... Uh... He just said that he kicked. Um, so I guess kicked off. So he's got to call. Do we call him again? Uh, uh, I'll ask. Oh, can, can you hear me? Ah. Yes. All right. Someone tried to call me, and when it does that, it kicks me off the phone. Oh, okay. Oh, well, you need to tell them to not socialize. It was an eight. It was an eight hundred number. Well, the fools. Don't they know that you're talking to Stella? <sighs> oh God. They should. Your future. Your future fiance. I know. Well, I love how it was very like, like hey, he's like, have you bought her a ring? Like, like, like the ring was actually purchased. I'm gonna buy you a ring. Um. What they're going to do for the next episode? And now Gotham's randomly on my Kindle. My Kindle's haunted. It'll like randomly turn itself on now. I have to shut it off. Okay, sorry. Uh, can you repeat like that last like sentence so like that way I can edit out Gotham randomly coming on in the background? She's working there. And then a train came. <laughs> in the middle of the building. Yeah, I don't know. Did you did you hear the train otherwise? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess this, this this show thought, like, you know, their scenes would be lighthearted with them, her needling him about kissing and stuff. and But I, it felt like it kind of just made the whole thing silly. And I guess that was, like, their, their excuse for comic relief. But I don't know. Really? It's fine, it's fine. <laughs> it's so closer. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna come through your bedroom. It's doing that like like in a reaction to you. Alright, uh, just don't blame it on me. You're <laughs> it stopped. I think. Okay. No. Uh, uh, I mean yeah. There's not a lot to say about this Lee plot, because like I said, it was like a micro-like subplot. Do we have anything to add to it? Do you think he's... <laughs> it's like it's circling the building. Like... It's, it's like it's actively trying to, to take you It's off. like Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was like really, really loud, and then it stopped for a while, and now like I hear it like faintly away. I mean, we, we wouldn't have heard this. We're, we're, all three of us are grown-ass men, so we wouldn't... <laughs> What? what? No. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, two of us are, and one is the great. What in the world? You were you were engaged to her. <laughs> well, one of two of us are grown as men, and one of us are you know a very delicate, strong, independent. Don't don't need no man. Delicate yet strong and independent. That right there, like when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm back on. <laughs> yeah, that's surviving. <laughs> I'm back on Plea Plea. I'm like being the. <laughs> I'm back on. What show did Stella used to be on? I wonder what she could be. Friday hour. Stella, do you wear an air posh? Oh, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so Alex Hayes on the BatmanUniverse.net gave this three out of five stars or batterings. I don't even remember. Better. Batter, well, they are strange, batterings, right? But batterings, you know. Okay. I'm also insulted because that was my job, but that's fine, Josh. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> do you want to do it? I can let no, you do it. No, it's okay. Are you it's sure? Okay. I can yeah. let you. Okay. Well, who who wants to? Don't do it again. Okay. 
Well, actually, I have to. I, I actually, I actually have to do it again because like that, that thing's like unusable. I have to like make a complete like statement because I was like stars, but it's weird because when it's like they're going to the circus, it actually reminds me of that like awful like line from Batman Forever when like <laughs> when Val Kilmer's like, "Oh, Nicole Kidman, how about I get you out of your clothes and naked? What? And into a black dress? Tell me, have you ever heard of the circus?" <laughs> <laughs> I like how you took that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Said Batman. <laughs> I'm not far off. That's like just about how it happens. That was about as far as I've heard that quote being pushed. We gotta talk, we gotta talk about like the promo though. Yes, and then there's also the promo. Um, so well, go ahead, Don. 